podcast like this. Who gon' bring it to the table? Boss talk. Who your girlfriend favorite? Boss talk. We gon' do it how you want it. Boss talk. Yeah, everybody on it. Boss talk. It's a unique hustle. Check it, check it, check it. It's a unique host. It's your boy ECO, and I'm here with the lovely, amazing, official Miss Jamaica. What's going on? Nothing, nothing. You know, my dad walk on. Man, hey, man, check it, man. Hey, we in the building, man. It's going down. Uh, Man, hold up, man. We got a special guest in there today, y'all. Uh, this guy right here, he don't really need an introduction, man. He's uh one of those guys, man, that... You know, he been through a lot. And sometimes we bring people on the show that been through a lot and uh, know a lot about a lot of things, but we might not have ever got to hear these stories uh, uh, just with one just click of a uh, 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 of an extra part of a mistake. He might not even been here. So, man, this guy right here, man, Kevin Mumford is in the building. Yes, hey, sir. man, live and direct. And it's going down, man. So, uh, yeah, got to answer this one. I know. So, 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 you know, this is how we like to take it. So, I want to know about you growing up. You are born and raised here in Texas? No, in Oklahoma City. Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, what part? Hold Oklahoma on. City, the east side of Oklahoma City. Okay, and what was it like growing up in Oklahoma City? Because when I think about, well, Oklahoma, I think about it being country, race. This is what I'm hearing because I'm not from here. I'm from Jamaica, so I hear about how racist Oklahoma is. Yes. See, that's what a lot of people think Oklahoma is racist cowboys. But to be honest, I, well, my story is going to be like really validating it because I grew up next to a farm. Mm. <laughs> and I tell people I was a cowboy before I was a crip. Really? <laughs> Wearing like cowboy, cowboy hat boots and all nah, of that? Nah, nah. I just liked horses. <laughs> just liked horses? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. So, so you were raised with your mom and dad, brothers, sister, just your mother. Where was that? In Garden Days. And um, that's one of my book for Garden Block. It's called Garden Days and Garden Notes. It's a community on the east side of Oklahoma City. Okay. And where was your dad during this time? Uh, I don't know. Somewhere. Have you ever met him before? Yeah, I met him and knew him, but I ain't never. Growing up, as I got older, we came closer. Came but closer. I could go see him on my own. Yeah. So you see, you could. So was it that thing? Cause you know, we grown now, mm -hmm. so we know that sometimes in relationships, you know, mom and dad can't get along. Mom mm -hmm. keep the kids from dad. Was mm -hmm. that the situation, nah. or it was just he just didn't want to come around? Nah, I really don't know what their situation was, but. He came, he was more like a disciplinary. I guess whenever I got in trouble, my mother see him, so I really didn't want to see him. Oh, okay. <laughs> when I see him, I must have done something wrong. Oh, okay. But no, I don't know. Now, as I got older, I, young people be thinking, like, to mother and father, not knowing, they be like, well, daddy ain't no good. Mm -hmm. I never thought that. And like I said in one of my little views, that uh, I never felt the absence. That's what I was wondering. If he wasn't there, you, don't, you didn't. So what knew. filled that void if you never felt that absence? I don't, nothing really caused. Just didn't think about nobody, it. Nobody, and my mother, my sister, and brother's father wasn't there either. So I never even, in my home, I knew dudes down the street, one dude, one other dude might have a father and a mother in their home, but other people, it wasn't common. So I say, I never even missed it. Like some kids now, they, well, my father was missing. They'd be mad and holding grudges or something like that. I never, honestly, never thought about it. Mm. My mama held us down. She worked at General Motors and Montgomery Wards. So and, she had a good job. And yeah, so and I, I had the hospital, so we ain't never... So she had two we, jobs. She had two jobs. Then when she worked working for General Motors, she just started working there and that's where she retired from. So were you the type of person, because, and I'm relating a lot of things to the people that sit in that seat and the stories that I hear, mm -hmm. and um, it seemed like it's usually the same story, whereas... When mom worked two, three jobs, that's the reason why you succumbed to the streets because you were always out on the streets because she was never there. Was that the same for you? Uh, well, no, I don't think so. My dream's always been, like I stated in my book, that uh, I just like wanted to be a part of like organized crime. You know, I looked. You just to, wanted to do that. I, I looked up to Lucky Luciano and uh, Al Capone, and I was Sicilian, so I joined what I could join the African gangs. So what exactly about it that glamorized you into wanting to be that oh, part? I guess fortune, fame, and women, and they ain't want drugs, but you mm -hmm. know, it was, it was just the power. And you basically. saw it 
on the streets or you saw it on TV? Where did you see that that made you want to do that? Because I'm just wondering, was it your environment or was it, because I'm trying to figure out, cause you know, being a parent now, you want to mm. know what is affecting your children. You know, nowadays it's the phone. We know that. But mm, back then, yes. what was it? Was it the TV or was it something that you were seeing around you? I maybe seeing some mafia movies back then, but I don't know. It gets just embedded in me because, as you know, the streets also have that level of crime. Mm-hmm. You know, you see people in the big Cadillacs, Fleetwood, pimps, and all that stuff back in my day growing up. And I'm like, yeah, I like that. They had cowboy boots, snakeskin, I right. boots. So I said, let me get the But I knew where it started from, you know, the streets. Mm-hmm. And now I see the Sicilians. I heard about them on TV. I heard of Al Capone, John Gotti, and all them. Not John Gotti at the time, but right. Lucky Luciano and all them. Now, honestly, I kept pictures of these people without my prison bed I my photo album full of mafia figures I studied wow. it you know what I'm saying in my room I had cars Cadillac Fleetwoods on my wall I didn't have women like some kids have women swimsuit models I had what I wanted to get you know my first car was a Fleetwood mm-hmm. you know, and a 6 foot Chevy I had them at the same <coughs> how old were you I was 15 15 when you when first, you first got locked up no like, when he first got the the, the, cars. Video, the cars the cars mm-hmm. um, so when you got these cars at 15 years old, uh, how did you end up getting the money to even get the cars? Right. Oh, we was hustling. Me and my homeboy, we was hustling. How old were you and when you started hustling? Gift? Well, I guess you can say I started hustling when I started selling candy. Yeah. Selling candy yeah. at school, selling joints when I was in middle school, dollar joints and rag of weed like that. So I started off young. I started everything young. Did, like, they didn't never catch you in the school selling nah, weed? Nah. And your mama didn't wonder where all that money was coming from? Nah, she ain't never seen nothing like that. But at I 15, you bought the 15, you bought your first car. I left home. At, at I, both people, one of my friends got kicked out because they followed me. I left my home. I never got kicked out. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. So when you left your house, because again, I'm a parent. Mm-hmm. My child can't leave this house at 15 and say he leaving this house. I'll kill him. I mean, hey, <laughs> my mother's a good Christian woman and everything, but I. Me and my homeboys, we had a house out here by the lake, boats and cars and motorbikes. We was living a good life. At 15? At 15. Yeah, they was older than me, but I was 15. And Ooh, I was going to do what I was doing. You and know, what part of Oklahoma this was it? Oklahoma City. Oh, yeah, right there in, in, mm-hmm. in the city. Mm-hmm. Did y'all ever, at that age, was anybody coming up to Dallas during that time? I came to Dallas on trips, like when uh, Redbird Mall was really jumping. I used to come here on family trips and all that, but... We never came. We came to steal cars, man. Come on, boys, and all that type of stuff. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I've been like I said. I started a lot of this stuff early. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah. Like, and that's why the city just kind of followed me whenever I did, whatever I did. Yeah, you know okay, Kevin. So I mean, when you think about just um, uh, uh, times that you could have been killed or times that you could have been taken out as a young man dealing with all this stuff, were there those times as well, or did you guys just always get away scot free? I always got away. With no Police chance of me, cause you, I always got. You away. always while slicking them. Yeah, I had twenty cars in three years. I jump out and leave the cars and let them better the car in jail instead of me. Yeah, so yeah. They, they hated me because he always get away, he always run. Cause that didn't mean nothing to me. I can get it just like, like that. that. Mm-hmm. Wow. So Oklahoma City, you say the the when you think about country, Oklahoma City back then, the Oklahoma City now is two different places. Oh yeah, most definitely. Because back then it was a little bit more rural, right? No, not really. Because they really ain't built no development. They did it on the white side of town. Now when I got out, when I got out, I actually was riding down the street crying. Because I'm like, where I'm from, why? It's still like the ghetto, the two shorts, two shorts ghetto video. Yeah. I'm like, where we from, they ain't remodeled nothing. They ain't built nothing. But on the other side of town, they got it. Looking nice. paved streets and everything. But... They ain't did nothing to our side of town. It hurt me because I'm like, all these hustlers I know from back in the 80s, y'all still here. Y'all ain't developed and put none of your own community. Mm-hmm. I say, well, stay asleep then. I'm going to get the key to the city. Wow. I'm going to make the uh, grocery stores where we can come. Ain't even no grocery stores where I grew up at to get for the black people to go and shop for food. They there. They you got to go to there. the white side. Yeah, you got to go travel. These people can't get no cars. But they, I, they don't live no I don't think it's just in Oklahoma, Kevin. No, it's not. When it's you go not. to all of these different cities, that's something I thrive on is going to see, uh, it, you know, black. You, it's, it's very seldom you see a black supermarket, a black bank. We got one literally in my neighborhood, like the one of them pictures I seen when I had the yellow on. That was a grocery store right in my neighborhood called Red Buzz. It's been nothing for like 30 years or longer. Nothing. And I've seen a guy when I first got who owned it. 
And I walked up to him and said, man, what you doing with this? You storing cars in here. You storing stuff. And this is, what can it do? And he told me, man, whatever you want to do, I'll let you do. If you want to buy this, you want to do this, I'm going to do this for you. I'm like, well, I'll be back with you. Because you hindering our neighborhood from growth. And I hear a lot of um, OGs will say, well, or if they're even in the streets, that, you know what, I make my money, yeah, but I go and I buy stuff and give to the poor, to the, to the kids, to the this, to that, to feed them, clothe mm-hmm. them, help them pay the bills, stuff like that. But with what you're saying, the first thing I think about is none of them actually say, okay, let me open, like you say, a grocery store in this area mm-hmm. for my people. Let me open a business because you need this in your section for my people, and let me show you how to run a business being a black exactly. person but most dope dealers and they don't even know how to run a official legal business in the first place anyway because i always that's one thing i always fight about i'm like if you can run a successful drug business you can run a successful legal business exactly. too but you just refuse not to you well, know when you think about it it, it really not the say the drug dealer uh that comes into a little money i don't see it as being his fault as much as it is the older guy, like we had Mr. Luther, we had a Bubba Lane, we had different people who owned business back 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 when they when they did keep it separate. And they did that purposely when mm-hmm. I was young. So when you think about it now, those guys, they had a business, but then they was tiptoeing as well in their situation because exactly. they knew that it was certain stipulations they wasn't wanting to go up and go up against. Uh when you look at these guys, these these business owners, you know what I mean? Yes, they yes. they didn't they didn't they didn't get out of line. Mm-hmm. They did. They did. They, they built what they could and respected what they had. But far as educating the other people around them, uh, far as their kids and the people that that they you know basically grew up in the house with them, you don't see them. Those people, I don't see, envision as having businesses now. See, not all thing, of them. Now a few, but it's very low percentage. Yeah, very low. One of the things I wrote in my book, a letter to Princess Shania, was when we grew up, we never was taught. The white people, they taught their kids allowance and gave them that. We go, Mama, I ain't got no money, I ain't got no money. So we never knew how to manage money. We never, we ain't getting no credit. We don't have no credit. Thing was a bad thing. The world has ran off of that. The white people had credit. When their kids turn 18, they give them a new car with credit. Their credit is already established. We were never taught to handle money. So when we drug dealers, we get the money, we blow it. We yeah. never was taught how to manage the money and how to do this, how to do that. So that's one of our problems. We, we don't teach our kids from the gate. Here goes some money. Learn this, say this, do that, and teach them the art of managing money. So, I don't think all of the white kids either are taught that either. No, not they, all of them. Because the reason I say that because they get a a lot of times different cultures, not just people that don't look like us. Because mm-hmm. it's not just white. Exactly. Um, it can be Indian. It can be any race. It can be Jamaican. It can be any, when you brought up in a situation. A lot of this is taught because of things like businesses. So, mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, a lot of times these people are, are, are basically taught to work, a mm-hmm. lot of them. They go into laboring. Exactly. You see what I'm saying? Exactly. They teach them how to be laborers mm-hmm. a lot of times because that's what they're doing. So like you said, your mom worked at General Motors or whatever. Mm-hmm. In her mind, she would teach you what she's doing to get by. So she'd be like, you got to find your good job. And mm-hmm. yeah. you see what I'm saying? Because that's what she knows has, has brought her the success to take mm-hmm. care of you guys. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Same as, as a lot of people that work for different companies. Uh, that company will never be theirs, but white, black, Indian, whoever, if they have something that's working for them, they're going to teach it to their children. Exactly. And would it also depend on the generation that we're in? Because when I say that, like now you have a lot more black um, businesses that appear compared to what used to be back in the day and because of that you have those parents might be trying to tell their kids although the kids might not want to do it but they're educated to know that i can own my own business i can run my own business and this is how i can do it and i remember back some older people back in the days would tell me um like in certain cities that you went to you would have predominantly black businesses running the the town Mm -hmm. but it's not like that now but back then it was and i'm sure that they would have train their kids to know how to do it is just for them to either take it over do it or not yeah you know so it comes and goes yeah i I, like i said i i really i think that with today's society i think we're in a much better place i think a lot of those rappers and entrepreneurs that you see out here it's a blessing 
that they've able they've been able to change their generations for their the Beyonces, the Jay Zs, the Kanyes, and all of the the futures, the people who deal with the rap and the Robert Smiths to deal with uh, software uh, remanufacturing. Mm-hmm. When you see these type of elite, the Mayweathers, you know what I mean. Um, you you still these guys are doing things that have never been done before in the black community. Exactly. So we got to give them a big ups for that. Mm-hmm. The Jay Princes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, to be able to maintain uh, entrepreneurship and so longevity long. Long, mm-hmm. they, long as they have with, with them. Those rooms were not easy for them either. No. No. You see, to go into those rooms and to be able to be uh, accepted Respected in those rooms, we think a lot of times just because they got money now, it was easy. The Dr. Dre's, it wasn't easy to get in those rooms. And if you watch their story and you went talk to them, all of them would have a similar story. That's why my thing is I'm a survivor of genocide. And not just about me going to prison, being a gamer. It's that everybody, like I said, Kyrie Irving, Kanye West, Jay-Z, uh, Tupac, any, everybody went through this because they had a foot on our neck. They grew up as a black man in America just like I did. Exactly. They had opportunity and they took advantage of it. That's right. And they had support and they used like they utilized them. Like, like you say, Dr. Dre and uh, Jay Prince. Jay Prince been fought the federal system for so many years. That's right. Now, whatever's going on with him and his son, now they're trying to they're gonna use that to try to bring him down. Cause you could never mess with him the way you wanted to back whenever he was uh living like he was living. No, one hundred percent. I in my and, and you know, when you think about uh just you, when you first got in trouble and had to deal with the uh, legal system. What did they catch you on? Was it was it car theft? Was my, it drugs? My, my first charge ever when I got caught, my partner came rest in peace. He sleeping. He came by my house. My mother was in Vegas going out of town. And he had a, uh, and it's kind of goofy. That's how lame I was. I was probably 12 or 13 or something. He said he got a check. Let's go out and cast, cast these checks. So me and my other homeboy go with him. I'm little, I've always been a little guy. I go to the check casting place with the guy, sitting there. The people say, when was you born? I say, in 50-something. <laughs> wow. Man, they called the police so quick on us. I'm like, you're going to police. I'm in my home, let's go. So we break out the door, but the police catch us. And my other homeboy drove off because, like, now I'm so, that was my first time ever getting caught in my first charge of forgery. Yeah. So that was that. And I, my homeboy mother come get us out. We go home. I'm glad because my mother was out of town, and they picked us up and got us out. And so your mother didn't find out about it? Yeah, when I had to go to court. <laughs> <laughs> so when you went to court, did they throw it out because you were so young? No, I was juvenile, and they go through the procedure, put you on probation and all that type of stuff. But I did that, and that was my first time. And after that, I really never got did caught you, until you, the big time. You lived the, the, the probation now? Yeah, yeah. Well, how old were you when you when you first faced your real serious? 18 uh, years. 18 years? Eighteen. How old were you, 18 years old? 18 or? years old. And what was that case about? And let me talk about the cribbing first, because you somehow got yourself caught up in the feeling like mm-hmm. you was a crib. Oh, yeah. I don't, I like, you see what I'm saying? Like, this mm-hmm. is, and I, I have these conversations all the time with all of the the Texas and Oklahoma bangers and and, and represent Houston, representing streets that, that Ice Cube said, represent a street that you ain't never even heard of. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? See, so I mean, how did how did you guys end up representing uh, 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 the Crip life? Was it what game? Was it Five Deuce? Was it? I'm from Shotgun Crip. Shotgun Crip. I never out heard of that. Never heard of that one. California. Out of Gardenia. Yeah. So how did you end up being with Shotgun Crip? My stepfather from Gardenia, California. And he brought it to you? No, nah, he wasn't a game banger at all. I learned about the Crips when I was at lunch. You know, my family was from uh, Compton, Mona Park. So I learned about uh, the game bang when I was a youngster. I said, you used to oh, visit? I studied it. Did yeah, you visit? Go visit. Y'all go, go to Cali? Visit. Yeah, yeah. You brought it back. I'm the, I started this in Oklahoma. Man. You started in Oklahoma. Uh-huh. So when you came back, you you start telling them about the Crip. Well, I told them about it. I, like I say, I was it's like in 82 since I've been representing the Crips. And uh, some more people came, and my partners came from Gardena, California, with my step All of them trans. L.A., General Motors closed down in L.A. Okay. And they came to Oklahoma. My stepfather, oh. my uncle, and everybody, this and that. So his sons, my homeboy's friends came in. So I just, we hooked up like that. So we've been doing it ever since. So Oklahoma now, there is a place there where people always know that if you go over to this neighborhood, uh-huh. this is where the Crips going to be at. Oh, yeah. I remember one time when I was young, people don't even know these stories. My mother might know it, but. 
it was some gangs that got busted over there and dispensed to the country. Or I think some bloods or something. They was like, oh, the gangs from L.A. is coming to Oklahoma. Woo, woo, woo. I went and put a sign out across from my house and put the crib live here. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. My mom said, you better go get that sign over there. What? <laughs> So you want to let them yeah. know. Yeah, I'm letting them know, hey, man, I've been with this. Oklahoma just don't know. You know, yeah. my family's Crips out in L.A. So, yeah. you know what I'm saying? The OG originals. I ain't going to say their name, but, you know, they Grape Street. They Bounty Hunters. They Comptons. They everything, you know. One thing I always wonder, how, like, you say you were a Crip. or you, you know, how do you just join? You just get up at one day and say, okay, I'm, I'm going to be a Crip. I'm going to oh, start no. it. These are the rules that I got. Oh, I heard about all of no, but, yeah. back then, but back then, how did you get into you being get a initiated. Like So you went to, when you went to L.A., you went to L.A., and you said, I wanted to be a part of this organization. No. Then what did you do? Angle. I can't tell you how I got put on. Yeah. <laughs> that just. Okay, you know. but can you say this then? Did you join in L.A., and then you brought it here, or did mm-hmm. you come here and join? You brought it, Okay. Okay. I know my, one of my big homeboys, he was telling me riding through there, because we put the drugs throughout the city. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? In the 80s, we had control of the city. Right. But wasn't no shotguns. And he tell me one day, we riding the Cadillac. you like, man, you have all these people claiming shotgun. Or I said, hey, if I will. And then before I know it, because that's my neighborhood. He ain't from there, my right. neighborhood, but I am. And I'll be damned. He mm. was right. Everybody claims shotgun. I mean, everybody. That's my neighborhood. You ain't got no choice. You can't be nothing else from over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So how long, and here we go again, because I talked to uh, Melvin Farmer. I talked to Tolomar. I, I, you've seen him if you watch mm-hmm. my show. Yeah, I, I deal him. with the ones who originally started it mm-hmm. and who started uh, 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 8-Tray and was, was with Tookie and they all, mm-hmm. this whole situation. So how do you live it till you die? You're born in it and you die in it? Or do you get an age to where you start? Because when it first started, Crippin was something that they take to a different place and said it's uh something that's supposed to help their people. Something to help exactly. the community. That's what it's the about. community. That's what the community. Yeah. What is it? Re- community revolution in progress. See, the people society makes it negative. Mm-hmm. You know, like they came up with drive-by shoes. I ain't never did no drive-by. But the media did. It got these kids thinking, oh, I got to do this to be down. That was That's wrong. That's why I don't like the media perpetrating, cause like when they say, like like in the '90s, they had a big movement of kidnapping kids. The media was piping, making these people think, "Oh, I gotta go do this," and they already mental, far as they mind state, cause you gonna go out and kidnap kids. Something gotta be wrong with you. So the media boosted them. They had a, a whole thing through. I'm sitting in prison. Why? I'm like, man, look at this. The media steady blowing, blowing smoke and making kids. Not even kids, but older people do these type of things. So I'm like, I ain't never did no drive-by shoot. Now, if you ran into the house and I was busting on you, that's another thing. But I ain't going to ride past your house and shoot right. your house up. But you see, another th- reason why I asked you, you know, how did you get it initiated and all of that? Because as people join and um, create their own other places, I would think that if the structure is passed down properly, it would have stayed what the true meaning should have been instead of, you know, I'm just going to get up and start this and we're going to start this and rep this but not go through the proper channels of doing so. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, see, like I said, I, didn't know, I ain't no off-brand from uh, the original. The most, what I see in America when it comes to encryption bloods, it's only a few states that really mimic L.A. And that's mm-hmm. Oklahoma, Kansas City, and I, I may say... I don't even know about Georgia and Texas. Some people may, but some people don't. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Because it's like if you grew up with these certain individuals from this other side of town, they are a different gang. They ain't going to hold true to what it's supposed to be. Like in Oklahoma, when we put it down here, it ain't no, I used to grow up with you. I'm going to kill you anyway. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? No, because you from somewhere else. That so just, if the true meaning of Crip is supposed to be you helping your community, back then when you joined, what did you do to help your community? Oh, I use, like I said in my book. Back then. When you have a power, like I'm, like I'm explaining it to my daughter in the book, when you have a power influence over people, make sure you use it in a positive way. I use mine in a negative way. When I was, I was only 15, 16 years old, I had 90 soldiers up under me. They was all tight on my stomach. And that's when you had okay. joined, that's when you were a No, nah, that's when I'm 
He leading it. I'm, I'm the leader. Right. And I got 90 people up under me. Right. But I'm young and wild. I'm not educated like I am now. So I'm just, oh, you got to go put in some work. You got to hold this down. This, we protect our neighborhood. Not knowing selling drugs and this is going to destroy families, mothers and kids right. that's on drugs. I don't know none of this. I'm just 16. I ain't lived long. But now I know better mm-hmm. than to make this household incomplete by taking their mother out, their father out, and turning them into a junkie. Like I said in my book, if I'd have used my power in a positive way to be more black-owned businesses, it'd be more black successful people in my neighborhood than junkies, drug addicts, and dope houses. Yeah, but you know that now, and a lot of times we say, how can we change narrative with these younger kids? But when you look at the younger kids, they're the same as how you were when you were a kid, as in hot-headed, you couldn't, can't tell them nothing. You, you know, you're not making this type of money I am. Money's what, to me change people in, in a sort of way, as in like, you can't talk to me, you ain't got what I have. Well, see, now the kids nowadays is wrong. When we said, we listen to older men, older when we listen, they don't listen now. Like when I'm in prayer, I'm like, these dudes don't want to listen. They just came out their mother's womb 20 years ago, 18 years ago, but you know everything. So, it, so when you were on the street and you had all them 90 people under you and you was doing your thing, you had all that money and everything, if an older person had stepped to you and told you, what you're doing right here is going to destroy your community. You need to take it and do this, this, and this. You tell me at that point in your time, go back and think about it. Would you have done differently? Well, I don't, I don't know if I would have done it differently. But since I was the first one to, to put this game, Oklahoma didn't know nothing about no games. I was an example. So no one ever can do that. Now, the older men with money. They'll run from us. They might think we're trying to rob them. They would start the Crips. They say, they say we country or whatever. Mm-hmm. These older dudes ain't never seen nothing like this before. They thinking, we got to stay away from these young men. But when I got to prison, that's why I, y'all come in genocide. Then say, man, get out of old school. You ain't talking about nothing. Did it not come? But now I understand. Could, could you just uh, take us through um, just the fact of, of what caused you to go to prison? When you, uh, and how long was it? I went down for 15 years in the, the state. The first time? First time. 15 years in the mm-hmm. state. 18 to 33. What, we got to, just tell me what happened to cause you to be in prison. What were you convicted well, for? I was convicted for robbery, kidnapping, um, robbery, kidnapping, two robberies, kidnapping. And what it was, Not, something happened, one of my partners did it, and I just took the fall. I told him it was me. I ain't never got caught. I was had a dope case anyway. So I just tell I'm going down, You only, I, I just took the fall for him. For him and a few more people that committed it. They gave me a hundred and some years for it. They gave you a hundred and some years? Yeah. A couple of 35, I think three thirty-five, a 10, a 1, and a 5. Wow. And and mm-hmm. so you were just basically staying loyal to the people that rock with you. Mm-hmm. Leading by example. You know, you don't tell them nothing. You know, I, I seen when they come in the court, they couldn't identify me. They were looking for him. But he left out the courtroom. But never came in, really. So they were looking for him. They didn't, but the DA told him, like, say it's him because they wanted me so bad. And so she said, yeah, that's him. So yeah, I told him, yeah, it's me anyway. And I just played. So they called you for one thing, but then they end up convicting you for several things mm-hmm. while you they were They added them. it on, added charges on to me just to boost the time up. We had crooked lawyers, I mean, DAs up in uh, Oklahoma City at that time. They just They just want a conviction. Mm-hmm. They worry about people coming from out of LA gangs. We had one guy, Bob Macy. He's dead now. He's telling people, if you don't ex- convict these people from LA or whatever, I'm going to jump out this window. Mm. Now, now, how is that justice? He tell the jury that. And he did it. He was known for it. And they wiped them people out. Now, many people. I got a gang of homeboys that's been in jail for him. And then when he died, they come out and he crooked. And him and this lady, black lady, George Gilchrist. And she was his flunky. She used fake samples up. Got one of my homeboys on death row in 170 years on a murder. And uh, she was his co-conspirator. When he died, that's when they brung it out to her. She ran. They ran out here to Texas somewhere. She was on news reports and all that, and just blackballed her. You know. So it was it was a crooked system back then when it comes to the streets. Yeah. So. But so you you go in you first when you first get to prison or when you how long did you stay in the county? Uh, like nine nine months. Nine months. Mm-hmm. You first you you never been to prison before. Mm-hmm. You you get sent you in the state. What mm-hmm. was the name of the prison that you first went to? I went to, to James Crabtree. James, James Crabtree, and that's where. How long did you stay there? 
don't know. I don't think I stayed there long because some gang banging stuff came down. They shipped me because they figured I was a leader. So they, I didn't have nothing uh, to do with it. But they just got rid of me. So how long did you say that? About a year? Six months? I'm going to say like eight, nine months. Eight, nine months. Mm-hmm. The next location you got. Well, how was it, though, when you first went to prison? Like, did they, they, did they, try, did, did they try to fear, put, use fear tactics, the guards and all that? No, no, no. My so first day, off, when I get off the bus, I pulled up. My homeboy was already there. He'd been down there for a minute. And some more homeboys was there. And they greeted me when I got off the bus. Some young dudes, I didn't know who they was. They talked to me, gave me. I'm like, where my homeboy at? I went over there, hollered at him. And it was just, back then, it was just like, like Ice Cube said, it's just like a class reunion. Yeah. You don't see all the people that you've been gone. You know, some homeboy been gone for a shooting for probably a year or two. Yeah. And I, he was right there. And I'm like, what's going on with this building? These dudes was radical, some youngsters, thinking they finna clink up with me to go get this other homeboy. I'm like, hold up. No, nah, I'm finna go out at the homie, man. I ain't, whatever y'all got going on, what y'all got going on. I ain't with that. So it was just, so they knew who you was. They knew. Oh, yeah, yeah. They yeah. knew you was about that life. Yeah, most definitely. But then they, but they, but you told them, I'll pump your brakes. I'm trying to see. Because yeah, I didn't know them. Yeah, correct. You know they knew you, but you didn't know them. Yeah, yeah. They, they my homies from Hoover in that, but I didn't know them. And I'm not finna just st- fresh off the bus. I'm fresh. They ain't put my bags on the bunk. And they, they ain't trying to get another homeboy who was saying was a buster. I should did that before I got here. <laughs> <laughs> so when you okay, but then they catch you up in all the stuff that starts to happen, all the all mm-hmm. the all the banging stuff that's going on. Mm-hmm. They they say you one of the main contributors, so they ship you out. Mm-hmm. Now you go to this next unit. Is it more like a suitable place to yeah, work? It was way Connors, Dick Connors. It was Connors and Granite was the ones that was really rocking and rolling. Besides McAllister. So when you got off there, what was the difference in being at that one versus the one you had just left? Shoot, we had more homies there. More homies? Mm, we was more, more organized homies. or no? Yeah, yeah, it was more organized. And the homie I was there with at the first place, <coughs> he was he was there. So we all were They shipped him just, already. Yeah, so we, it, see, it was like, we was a whole bunch of, everybody from the streets, we knew. It was like 15 of us there. Was, was it more racial wars going on during that time? Or what, you know, as far as blacks against the whites or the Hispanics? Or was it just black on black? Or how was it rolling over there? It was Cripping Bloods with me. Oh, it was Cripping Bloods. Because the white boys, they were never really nothing. They were because and then they had the Indians. But I never knew what that meant, IBH. At the time, I just seen it on the walls, but I never knew it was. But now in the 2000s, so when I got out, oh, that's what that meant. Yeah. Because they weren't really nothing. Now they killing blacks and everything. and. Mm. So they had a gang. And, they, and how old was you when you left? When I got out, I was 33. No, when you went. Went 18. 18. By the time you turned 25, mm-hmm. does reality set in that, hey, man, I done did some damn time? And and mm-hmm. are you still in that mindset of whatever, anything goes? Always and, anything goes. I ain't never got out of that. You know, yeah. It's just, you know, it ain't never got out of that because who I am and what I am. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You never slip and put your guard down like that but and then like you say I'm in there with my people and we in there we doing what we doing it's like I don't even like to say that stuff but the yards I was on it's either they run the yard the whites the Mexicans the Crips the Bloods or we run it I'm never gonna let them run it so I ran the yards where I was at I had the drug and had the power every time everywhere I go wow and so you you do uh, 15 years mm-hmm. Solid fifteen. Mm-hmm. I, I, when you when, and well, I'll fast forward to your release of that fifteen. But when you got out, when you when they came to you and said you you made parole or something, I discharged. They turned me down nine times. You discharged on a yeah. on a hundred and some years. They gave me hundred years, ran it together to a thirty five. Okay, broke it down to a twenty one in fourteen out. Twenty one in fourteen out. Okay, mm-hmm. and you did you did. 15, 15 on that 21. On that 21. Mm-hmm. And so you come out. What are your plans when you come out? Well, when I came out to the uh, state, my plans, that was so long ago. <laughs> but but the one thing we can't, we got to keep in mind is you was married to the same woman that you married to. Oh, yeah. To we, this I got day. married in 2004. While you was locked up? Mm-hmm. My, I got locked up in California for a couple months before I got, they supposed to expedite me back to Oklahoma. So when I got out, from there and came back, I was only out 30 days, and they locked, called me and locked me up. And so 
our plans was to get married then in 91. So how long did you, did you, was this like a high school sweetheart? Did you know her like long before you got married or? No, we, I, she was, no, no, high, we didn't go to high school. Pen pal? I, I met her when I was, no, I met her and I was in the streets with her. I had my son. I got locked up the day before my son was uh, turned one. So you've so, known, you knew her for a while before, since you were 15. Mm-hmm. Okay. When we got married in 2004, when we was, how old that makes us. And she knew that you were going to be gone for a, a while. She rode with me throughout my 15 years. And so when you came home when, in 15 years, she was there. She basically, uh, you paroled out to your house, mm-hmm. went home. What was what was the plan? I'll go back to that. The plan? I always want to be an entrepreneur, a businessman. I Even during that, that time? That, yeah, period, because I don't know how to work for nobody. Yeah. It's, it's, you got the entrepreneurial spirit, you're going to have it, and you, you can let the society take it from you. And to me, that's a no-no, but it ain't never been why well, I got to go work for somebody. That's just not my makeup. So- when when you get out, how long do you stay out before you hit this other bump in the road? I was out for actually thirty months exactly. And thirty three of the months. months was on the run from the feds. Three of the months. Mm-hmm. Thirty months. That's okay. About two, two and, year, and a half two years. And a half two and a half exactly. years. But okay, so I gotta go back because I'm a female, mm-hmm. and when she held you down this whole time. Um, because I've heard scenarios. I, I know people who hold people down, mm-hmm. but they'll still go on with their life while they're out here. When I say go on, I mean relationships, do whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, was she that person where she held you down straight or she still moved on and you understood? And then once you came home, that was what it was. Yeah, I mean, She might not have moved on, but she had experience, I'm pretty sure, 15 okay. years. I don't never expect no person not to encounter sexual uh, okay. whatever. Cheating to me is when you get your heart away. Yeah. Okay. You know what I'm saying? You can do what you must with your body because it's yours. I can't control. That's like a control thing. But she ain't never let me. My kids came to see me with her always. I ain't never went without. She never let me. Kids, no, most women, like I say, my friend, we went down. My homeboy, he had a life. Life without him. And his baby mother is my friend, best, my wife's best friend. Mm-hmm. And all my other friends, they one was wasn't there. So I'm the only one going to visit. They ain't. So I got to give her that. Because mm-hmm. she you know, she could be like them. She, she ain't never abandoned me. You right. know, so that counts for what it is. You know what I saying? really wanted, wanted you to say that too because mm-hmm. I know a lot of people who, um, I've heard of cases where the man would be so upset, although she holding him down, sending money, do all the mm-hmm. things that you're talking about, but he would be mad that you, you know, you're doing other stuff with your body that you shouldn't be doing. You, you need to wait mm-hmm. the whole 20 years mm-hmm. on me and da, da 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 whatever. They selfish. You can't control a person like that because they wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. That's real. No, I ain't going to do it. So, so you... You hit another bump in the road. What is the, what is the, what, what happened? Another distribution. Okay. Because that's what that boiled to. And Secret indictment? No, just a distribution. And um, the indictment came when they swooped up my neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? I guess they already had something going on before I got out. And I was just was an added bonus to it. Who yeah. I am and what I am. And my little cousin set me up. You know, I call myself helping him out all along. He was working for the people. Wow. Uh, so he came to court on you? No, no, he didn't come to court. Me and my other partner, we was the last ones going to trial. I pled guilty the week before trial because my lawyer wasn't going to fight for me. Yeah. It was his first law, uh, case as a uh, federal uh, attorney. He was trying to make deals with the DA. So you could get up there in the ladder. <laughs> well, you can fire him at that point and get somebody else? Hmm? You couldn't fire him um, and get somebody else at that trial. time? It was like you say, it was so many people related to that case. It was like 30-some people that on my homeboys in case. So all the lawyers in this law firms is 30. Anything else is conflict interest. Mm-hmm. So you can't get lawyer. Like one of my partners got a life. But they didn't come. Lawyer. They came at you with different stuff at first. So when they first came to you, what did they come oh, with? They no, they don't come with you, no deals. and nothing like that. Oh, so they basically had how much they wanted you to do? Yeah, they want, my only, mine was 5 to 40. Okay, how much did they I offer? I got thirteen eight. They didn't offer me nothing. They wanted me to get down on my partner or I'll be in jail. And I wasn't going to do that. So you end up doing another? 12 years. 12 years. That made me 27 years in prison. 27. So 13 years. How was the feds different from the state and how they treated you? The feds is 
bogus. I don't know what the rappers and people say. The state is way better than the feds. The feds full of fake people. <laughs> okay. You know, Elaborate. I, I mean, the dudes in there, is, they ain't fake. You got real killers in the state. <laughs> you got people in the st feds is weenies to me. Yeah. Mm. You know what I'm saying? They have behind the politics and this and that, da 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 I never even heard of none of that. Until I went to the feds. I'm like, Dude, they used to try to convert me to a, a state person, a fair person. I'm not learning. I know how to do time. I'm doing it the way I was raised. Yeah. And this is, no, I'm not talking about, if I get into it with you, I got to ask somebody, can I fight you? I'm not doing no stuff like that. <laughs> with you. If you get into it with them, I got to help you do that, man. I don't even know you. I'm not into no crip cars and stuff like that. You so, know what I'm saying? Just, but how did it, so, so the gang, so, so the crip, uh, the 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 fact of being who you were as a crip mm -hmm. going to the fed there were not other there had to be other crips there. yeah it was a whole bunch of crips and you can link up with them but they were, they were trying to do the same thing they was doing in that whole uh, situation for as the way they operated in the federal system politics the politics no, they was politics I guess I ain't never heard about to me police do politics when I yeah. grew up so I didn't I don't know what that was and like I say the politics where they Dudes is trying to control how you move. You, I'm a grown man, man. You can't tell. Like that time, I'm 36, 35, 36. You can't tell me. They're trying what to, to keep do. structure, really, what they were trying to do. Break down the, the the paperwork party thing for me. Mm -hmm. What was because you seen it your way. I see how he thinks. See, he his own man. He gonna tell these people that come in and they saying they doing a paperwork party to check what they were you know, coming in, in for. What was that all about for you? Well, to me, I. <laughs> I never really, I seen it and I witnessed it, but some people, they might got two sets of paperwork. You know what I'm saying? They might got this one saying they good. The other one is what they own today. And I don't know. <laughs> to be, You're I the never, first I can't, person I, can't, I heard say that. I can't, Nobody else said that. That's what I, knew. I, can't, I can't understand it because it's like, okay, you didn't tell it in 2000, and, I will say 1999, but I met you in 2018. But you working with the police here. You a threat to me now. I didn't know you in 99. So I don't care what you do. You a police today. You talking to the lieutenants. You running, telling, you busting people in the yard. The people say that 90% of the people told it in the feds and the 10% wish they had. And I'm like, Charlie, it's, it's bogus 90% to told it in the feds. Mm -hmm. For sure. Mm -hmm. And 10% wish they had. Yeah. It's like I grew up in the state. I sold drugs in the state prison to support my family because this time I'm in prison I'm not I'm still a father correct I'm still so I don't never drop my responsibilities I'm a, I made over the minimum $20,000 a year I made yeah. in the state so I make this money I come to the fair I didn't sell a motherfucker nothing because I don't trust you people no 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 I guess where I'm gonna smoke it I'm not gonna sell you dudes nothing because I don't trust them I see them yeah, yeah. You know, I can't knock nobody. Whatever you do is what you do, man. But but they had like when the feds. Uh, these guys are the ones with the money and uh, no the, man. They got people in there for selling rocks for bullets. That's what I thought. <laughs> these people is low life smokers and everything up in there. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> no, it's blowed up high. Now maybe they went in the '80s. That's why I say all this politic paperwork. All that maybe worked in eight, but the new breed of people came in now. It's not what it is. So man. when you got there, they didn't check your paperwork? Did you have to go through all of that? One of my partners, they knew me. And so, yeah, they helped me with my law library. You know, yeah, helped me fight my case. So, yeah. Oh, no, no, I'm talking about, and because from the way how everybody who's sitting in that seat and the way how they talk, they, they make it sound like everybody you who comes in. You got to get your paperwork checked. To your first people. Thing, to your to, people. To your people or to anybody in there, whoever is the head. <laughs> I ain't had no head. That's what I have, but my homeboys, that's where you're giving your paperwork to. To your homeboys. And they, they check it out. But oh, okay. But not, they already not knew, just anybody. But they already knew you, so yeah. you didn't have to give them your paperwork. No, he helped me with my law library. He helped me do my work, my own You're trying to my fight head. to get your life to get, to get my, out. To get out, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, he checked it. He looked at it, but he know me. Car case on the news. And <laughs> he wanted so he know. You know. So, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't no thing to wear. It was just you can just walk any up and random say, hey, man, can No, say, they can't do I'm it because they do that. You do that and you wrong. Now you got a problem. Mm -hmm. So you can't just walk up and say, "Man, let me see your paperwork." Because mm -hmm. he show you his paperwork and he's right. Then now you got a problem. Wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so you hear you when you think about different people. They this paperwork thing. I, I you didn't hear about. You heard about it a lot. Like when Ti uh, 
uh, talked about it, about the fact that, man, you had to have a paperwork party when you go down mm-hmm. here. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, people know you, you know, if I snitched, it'll be there. Mm-hmm. They'll know it, you know. Um, I just, you know, when you think about it from that aspect, you start hearing everybody start chiming in about paperwork party, paperwork mm-hmm. party. I've heard, I've had people here mm-hmm. uh, to talk about it, and it's just something to where I think it's become something that's kind of maybe a little popularized. Yeah, that's what it is. It's you probably, see, that's why the rappers and stuff got this fed stuff, glamorized, because it ain't like they say. It's you, like you in a crip car. You got to bring your paperwork to be a part of that. Yeah. You got to be a blood. You got to be a uh, Mexican, Pisces and all that. They want to check your shit and make sure you're okay. Yeah. That's what they. That's what that is. Now, I, the party, I don't know. I heard of that before, but I don't. That's just people, I don't know. I don't know about that. But I just know about the... Like I don't say check in, but you don't hear it. Check it, see what see what it is. Da da da. He good. He straight. And do it. That's it. Do you um? So when you get locked up that next time, I mean, your wife, she still just say I'm with you no matter what. She down. Yeah. The second time. Yeah, she was with me. It's the same scenario again. You know, she with me and may did whatever she done throughout the time, but I don't know. I ain't keeping score. I just. Stay down. That's all. What I about know. your kids? How how do you feel like your son? It was your son, right? Mm-hmm. My son how, and my daughter. And your and daughter. I had a baby girl. Two okay. my youngest girl. I had her when you I got, got a out. Two year old right now? No, she's fifteen. That's the letter to Princess Shania. That's the book that's Shania. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the book is this. Where can we get these books, man? Because I, I oh, Amazon. A letter to Princess store. Shania. I like this book. I'm gonna. Is this mine? No, you can have it. See, I had to take it from me. I got to take this. You can. Have, that's yeah. really my workbook. I have my back when I go do things, but I okay. always got more. Yeah, because I definitely, uh, I definitely keep these books. Mm-hmm. This is the show you've been on, Boss Talk One Hundred One, man. Yeah. Uh, so when you wrote this book, what, what you, were you locked up when you wrote this? Yeah, that's when I wrote it when I was in the feds to her. And to be honest, that's my favorite book. I can't read without crying. Really? It's an emotional roller coaster. And. The garden block is what everybody know because they into the gangs and street life and all that. And that's what's popular. But the letter to the Princess Chanel, I say that's the one Oprah want to talk to me about. So mm-hmm. hold on. wrote this book, you knew, did, did you give it to her right away? No. I sent it home before I got it finished. And they, my sister, say she was crying. She read my sister, they got to crying and this and that. And that's what I want because it's thought provoking and like I say, emotional roller coaster. Wow, I can't wait to read it. That's hard right there. I wrote it because most men think it's about raising the son, but the daughter needs the father figure as well. And, you know, that's, and I'm sitting there going through another transition in my life. And she was a baby. Like I said, well, I locked up the day before my son turned one. Yeah. I got locked up when she was finna be two. So I really said, I can't have them on kids. I always go to jail when I kids. <laughs> Come on, kids. this time you weren't trying to hear it. <laughs> no, I don't want no more kids. I got grandkids now, so I'm Did good. you ever sit down and ask her how did it affect her, um, you being locked up for that long while, you know, she was growing yeah, up? I, I asked her, and then, but she's not open like that. She's not. She's my identical. She more of me than my son is, to be honest. So Do you like think him. it affected her? Yeah, I know it has. It got to be. Wow. But you say it didn't affect you when your daddy wasn't even around. I know it. But she's so, a woman. She might be sensitive. <laughs> and you say she's more like you. It might not have affected her. I don't her. know. That's why I say I don't know. Whenever she can open up and talk. She ain't. She read the book one time, I think. She called and was asking about it. And I'm like, what? She found it reading. Because she didn't read it, I guess, called from her first time reading it. I know when I got was to the halfway house and I was here, one day I was going I said, before I published it, I said, let me read it with her. I'm sitting on the bed, and, and we both cry. Everybody cry. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm like, dang, I'm trying to. She was acting, I don't want to say bad. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I needed to get it to her right then. I couldn't wait till I already got out. Because right. I wait till I got out. But I said, no, nah, we got to read this right now. Because it's a guidelines to what you need to be doing. Because now you're my princess. One day you'll be a queen. Mm-hmm. So that's what it's about. Man, d- dope, man. So a letter to Princess Shania by Kevin Mumford Sr., man. It's hard, man. So uh, Kevin Mumford Jr., what's up with him? Oh, he's good, man. He, he, like I said, he's just like me as well. Like I said, he's a great father, brother. 
Because he's about 35. No, he's 32. 32. 32. He, like I said, he on his way down right now with his, my grandson, Kevin the Third. They coming to uh, Texas. They got a football tournament. My grandson is, I don't even like telling people because maybe you think your kid try to amp him up. But I'm going to tell you like this. You my son, you ain't shit. You ain't shit. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. my grandson, he's a hell of a football player. Man, every game I go to, he make three touchdowns every single game. Wow. Every game. He's and how old back. is he? I think he, why you put me on the spot? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm like my grandma. I don't know the ages. I think he probably eight. He yeah. might be eight. Love to play football. If not, he'd be eight January the 27th. He'd be wow. eight. Wow. Mm. Love to he'd play. He'd play everything. He's played soccer. I got camera footage of him on soccer. He's he's an athlete. He's an he's athlete. Hell of a guy, man. Wow. He don't know he get it from me, though. <laughs> <laughs> Grandpa. Man. So when you when you came home, you got to meet him. But he was locked, yeah. You was locked up yeah. when he was now born. Now I know my grandkids were born. Wow. How was that? It was wonderful, man. You they would send you pictures and stuff. Mm -hmm. They come visit me all the time. They said, and I'm in the visiting one time. My granddaughter said, and Papa, I'm sitting waiting to use the restroom in line. Papa, I'm like, Papa, I'm like, oh, you talking to me? Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I ain't used to hearing that. And I'm like, dang, you tripping. What's up? What you want? She was trying to ask me something, but I ain't never heard nobody calling me that. Let me let me just say this, man. When uh, Larry Hoover Jr., uh, he come on the show, mm. uh, Larry Hoover, his dad, uh, been locked up for 50 years now, might as well, 49 or 50 mm -hmm. years. He never got to see him outside of prison, mm -hmm. you know, and, and cause I always, when I talk to people, I try to think of everybody's situation and I'll be like, okay, there's another case out here. Like you got to mm -hmm. see your kids, you got to hold mm -hmm. your grandkids, you got to be with them outside of those walls. Larry Hoover has never exactly. seen his kids, his grandkids. He got, what, Larry got 15, one fifteen for show. He got two daughters too. I think he did too. get to see Larry Junior. No, he get to see him, but be outside of prison yeah, with not him. Not outside of prison. He has never been outside yeah, no, of prison no, with no, them. No. He ain't seen his son, who is Larry Hoover Junior, mm -hmm. outside of prison walls. Mm -hmm. So for you to be walls, able right. to see, you know what I mean, yeah. to be here today, mm -hmm. to be able to experience that, uh, that's that that's a blessing in itself. Mm, most definitely. And I know you know some other yeah. people like My that as well. Boy, they same way. Same way. Same way. Once I saying they. Daughters is by my wife's friend or whatever. They ain't never got now. One of them is pregnant with her. I think she just told me the other day she's gonna have a baby in January, and that's his daughter. And wow. she got a couple of grandkids. Him, he ain't got to see none of them. What he, kind of words of encouragement? Uh, he ain't got to see none of them. I mean, not outside the wall. Yeah. They may see him on the phones or some stuff like that, but nah, they don't. What kind of encouraging words do you give them because they, you know, they all connected mm -hmm. to you. Them your homeboys from yeah, your kids. Really my cousins. Yeah, yeah. your cousins. Mm -hmm. What what kind of encouraging words do you give A to them and B to, to the ones who are on the outside? I tell them like they know. I live for them. Even my yeah. family, when my cousins, our family members die, I put their burden on my back. I got to be successful for y'all. Because most of the time, and I don't, I beat myself, but people think I'm hard on other people, my kids and everybody, but I'm way hard on myself yeah. than I am someone else because – I look at it, if it wasn't for me, y'all might not be in there with no life sentence. Y'all follow me. They followed you. And so now y'all in there. So that guilt is with me every day. So I yeah. strive to be what I can be. And I got it hard. But like I said, I've been part of organizations since I was a kid. Now I'm 50 years old next year in a couple months. And I'm like, I'm by myself. Wow. Because the same people I used to run with and deal with, I can't do it anymore because they ain't. They stuck. Mm -hmm. they stuck. They stuck. And they don't want to do better. I come home with a trucking company, did all type of opportunities for y'all to come on, man. Let's get it. But they don't want They don't want it, and man. I, and I spoke to one of my partners the other day, and I said, why is this? Everybody that don't hang around the set, they successful. But the people that be around, they ain't nothing. So I got to leave what we grew up in just to make it? That don't make sense mm -hmm. to me. We're supposed to be making it right here as a whole. But you got to disattach yourself from the rest of us, the people you grew up and love, willing to kill and die for, just for you to make it, something ain't right. Because they, they still think of you back back then. Every time they look at you, they think you're the same person. They, they can't see the change. Yes. Kevin, what's the worst riot that you ever been in? Riot? In prison. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh -huh. The worst riot. And what caused it? Well, I'm a, well I ain't... Right. Well, I was in L.A. Well, I was in uh, San Bernardino. It was the Mexican IE mob against the blacks. And it started with phone. Over phone. They wanted to 
control the phone. I Mexicans, they wanted to control the phone. And me and my homeboy, gangster, we was there. We got gaffled up and we got caught up in down in San Bernardino. I'm finna use the phone. I don't know nothing about these politics. That's, yeah. That was the first time I ever experienced it. And this is in Fed? No, this is in the state, in, the state in okay. San Bernardino, California. Okay. And I'm like, this is before I came back to Oklahoma. I came back to Oklahoma. That's when they gaffled me up and sent me to the state. Okay. But I got gaffled up in there on my way to Gardena yeah. and all that. So we was up, we were in there in line, and, man, it was just the Mexican outnumbered the blacks to, I'm going to say, five to one. So the, the dude snitched on us and got us out. It's In the end of my book, they got us out the way, and they sent us to the max. Cause we was going to ride. We ain't. Bound down, but the other blacks sold us out. Them the troublemakers. No, nah, we mm. standing up. So we go to another side of the facility, maximum security now, where it's really even on a race tip. A couple months, uh, I'll say three or four weeks later, the Mexicans rode on the dudes where we was at. Beat them up, because the only one I know, because we rode on the Mexicans, and they they cut my eye. when we, I threw something and hit me in my eye. So they had to go get me stitches in my eye. So when I went on the bus, one of those guys was over there with me. They went to court and got his lesser time and went to it back to where they rode it. Man, they had shoe prints and horseshoes, all of them, because he threw a trash can at them, but he hit the CO. They beat him with billy club and all that. Man. He said, man, them dudes ain't I say, I knew it. They went and got us over here. They weren't going to ride. So that was a crazy situation. It was my first ride ever. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, because yeah. I ain't never been in prison. Yeah. So that right there, it took off against the Mexicans in San Bernardino, California. And that's in this book. Mm -hmm. The Garden, what's the name the of this one? Garden Block. The Urban Garden Tale. Block. Man, Urban Tale. An Urban mm -hmm. Tale. What made you uh, write this book? Really, I seen... Uh, Monster Cody. He had wrote his book back then. I'm on, I'm on H Block. And that, that's in uh, Oklahoma, the maximum security on the ground. That's where I turned 21 at. Wow. They said I was a threat to the population and everything, so they had me where I couldn't even come in contact with another human being. So I was down there, and I heard, I seen on the TV, Monster Cody book, and I read a book called Nathan McCall, Make You Want to Holler, my first time reading a book. And it was amazing. He was a journalist from out of Seattle, from Washington or somewhere. He went to prison. He came out, became a journalist, wrote a book. I'm looking like, man, I can do that. Uh -huh. Then Cody came out with his book. And my big home OG baby, OG Playboy, is in the book. Because, you know, he's been in jail for about 40, 50 years almost. You know what I'm saying? For killing the guy at the Rowdy Park back in Gardena. So I'm like, man, oh, he did that. And he made 100000 off of that. So I wrote a book. You know what I'm saying? Because I can tell a story. You know what I'm saying? So I did it and rewrote it a thousand times, you know, and I put it out. I said, I'm going to do it. Man, I got to ask you a question about uh, being on the crib side, um, about Nipsey Hussle. Where, when you first heard he had got killed in front of his store, what did you think about that? Or did you even think about it? Well, I didn't think about it. I heard of, when I heard about it, I'm like, damn. Cause I never knew his store and where it was located until after the fact. Yeah, I used to, we and, used to go there a lot. Yeah. And my homeboys in LA was with me in uh, Feds, and that's when it happened. That's where I was at when it happened. And they were like, well, da, 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 da. you know, because Shotgun, who was in the 60s, we don't get along with 60s. And so we weren't really no big thing to us, you know what I'm saying, to talk about it. But when you think about it, I'm like, what happened? His homeboy killed him. Oh, somebody, that's just, okay, Part that's how it go. They envy, jealousy, and then they come out with all the other stuff. I don't know the details because I don't get in nobody's but the, business. But the envy and jealousy, mm -hmm. you yeah. picked up on it right away. No, definitely. When you in your own neighborhood, uh, somewhere you at, there's some people to get you. That's why I say I don't got people that's all right with me. I love you or I hate you. All right people send you to the grave or to the prison. That's right. If you say, oh, he all right, he ain't all right. Either mm -hmm. I love you or I hate you. I don't got no in-betweens. That's just my motto. Well, you know, the words say, and I'm a Bible-based guy, so let your yes be yes and your no's be mm -hmm. no. You know what I mean? So yeah. you, you're really right. Mm -hmm. you either, you either with it or you're not. You're not, because you can't halfway love me. You, you love me all the way or you don't. God don't even like lukewarm. Yeah, I spew <laughs> you out of my mouth. A double-minded man is unstable, unstable in all his ways. All his ways. <laughs> so all of this stuff is right mm -hmm. there. Exactly. And I yeah. live by the Bible. I read my Bible every single morning of my life. Yeah, I know me and you when we was yeah, talking, exactly. you said that you, yeah. you love to read. That, that uh, just, my family is crazy. I never heard my mother, grandmother, aunties, no one said cuss word to this very day. Wow. My my grand, my uncles, which is my grandmother's brother, they preachers, and they go down. They skip my generation. But my my nephew is a preacher, mm -hmm. you know, and this and it it just fake. My homeboy said, "People say you faking on there reading your Bible." He said, "Man, y'all don't even know him. He was my celly. We from the street. He must say he said he read his Bible every day, man. That's him." 
I say, I don't care what people think or say. They don't okay. make me not against them. I'll be going on the lick. God, please let me get out to them. <laughs> I think a lot of people do that. <laughs> that's just, it's just, you know what I'm saying? That's what yeah. it is. I just, I know who created me, and God don't make junk. We make mistakes. He don't. Wow. Um, what's what? What is uh, like? What what is the plan for Kevin Mumford Senior? What 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 do you? I know you start you. So you talk to the prisoners. You have a uh, podcast. So what what's next for you, man? Man, like I said, I got this clothing brand. I'm shooting a movie to the book Garden Block right now. Okay. And uh, the letter to Princess Shania, a little short movie to that. And I just want whatever God had me yeah. to do, man. I'm just trying to do something positive. My word, when I was learning, I'm self-educated. When I was on the ground, I read the dictionary because I can't say nothing if I don't know the meaning. So I studied, I studied, I studied. And when I came to college philanthropists, I wanted to be a philanthropist. That's been my goal since I was 21. I destroyed my neighborhood, so I want to give back to it. I've been wanting that since I was 21 years old. So whatever it is, like I say, my first two million, I'm gonna buy everything that's tore up around that way and make it better. Make it better. You you was locked up for 27 years. Mm -hmm. uh, you've been home for two, almost, almost two years. Mm -hmm. um, what do you see the biggest changes out here for us when you came home? Cause you really never really just been home. No, I've been in prison majority of my life. The biggest changes is, to me, I'm gonna say the generation. I think this, cause when I went to the feds, it wasn't no Facebook and all that stuff yet. And now, like getting out in 06 and seeing, it was kind of the same. But getting out now with all this media and all this stuff, <laughs> it's destroying us. It's destroying our kids. Because like me and my daughter, she sitting on the phone all day. I'm thinking it's just my household. My friend like, no, no, my kid. I'm like, also, I need to quit tripping. Mine too. <laughs> yeah, so I need to quit tripping because, but then again, I can't because, man, you just laying in your bed on your phone all day and come on. You don't even go outside and play. You don't see, like we moved to Texas. I go get some neighbors. Your daughter that age, come here. I said, why you you embarrassing me? No, these some more kids your age. They gonna go to the same school you go mm -hmm. to. I don't need you to help me meet no friends. Yeah, you do, because you ain't going to come out your room, and your mama ain't going to make you. Believe it or not, they meet friends. They do it, and they talk back and forth through electronics. That's just the way it is. They don't know how to talk face-to-face -face anymore. No, not at all. I ran through the hills. I, we had hills in my neighborhood. We got named the Big Dipper, Big Red, because we played on them. Ran down through the Lake Canadian River, and we explored the world, you know. So. Are you going to be able to, like... <clears throat> Are you going to be able to continue the podcast? Yes. I actually, I, what I'm doing is streaming. I haven't did a podcast. I just did the little streaming and on my little uh, phone. Cause I like what you told me about dealing with the, you know, like the, the, the prisoners, the mm -hmm. ones who are not out, mm -hmm. being able to stream your with them, mm -hmm. and then pre-recording it and maybe yeah. uploading it to YouTube. That's hard if yeah. you can talk to them all the time yeah. like that. Because yeah. Yeah. I think people can be helped through that resource. I'm supposed to be doing it now. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Later today or something with my partner because, see, they just, the guys I know, like you say, hockey is gang forever. I got a cousin in there. Both of them is on murder. They brothers. He started a program to help the kids. He's not longer a shotgun. When you call him his name, he said, that ain't me. And when he asked me about that, I say, I condone what you're doing, man. Hold on, what? Um, well, you know, how can people get hold to you if they're trying to link up with you just for motivation, just to, if they're going through something? Because you're a guy that could speak uh, things to them that other people can't because you've done the things that some of these, some of these mothers' kids may be facing. Yes. Uh, some of these uh, fathers' kids may be facing. Mm -hmm. They could call you and you may could give them something, some insight where you might have went in a law library trying to fight for your life, mm -hmm. and, and they don't even realize that. I know how powerful it is when you go into a situation and you have to be fighting for your life. So yes. at the end of the day, you know some things that a lot of other people are not going to know when it comes down to how to deal with the judicial system. And I think a lot of times our children and, and the people that look like us are very, very uneducated when it comes down to facing different situations after they came in came up in an impoverished environment. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So how what are, how, what are, how can people get a hold of you to link with you if they wanted to? And I know I said a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got a Facebook page. Uh, it's Kevin Mumford Sr. And then the, um, the YouTube channel, OG Baby Playboy, um, the YouTube channel. And then uh, Instagram, I think it's Vic Romero on Instagram. And 
my cards. Wow. I'm a personal trainer as well, so. Yeah, 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 we, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I remember you told me that. So, I mean, just, just it's, it, it, like I said, I, this won't be the last time me and you link. Uh, I appreciate you for coming on the show, man. Um, uh, we definitely, uh, we, we cherish these moments, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I thank God that you're free after being locked up, incarcerated for 27 years. And, and being married for how long? Thirty. Well, we've been together thirty three years. How long have you been married? I've married since oh four. Okay. So I don't know no count. He's supposed to know these uh, things uh, now. No, Come on. I, hey, I don't know. I got to count. Four, Say, five, man. Like said, I well, don't know. Well, thank you so much, man. We love you, brother. I, love, I and, appreciate And we're definitely y'all. gonna be rocking out again. I, I plan to keep on doing things to try to elevate our people understanding on what our people go through. And I think you one of those keys to help mm-hmm. just like uh, told about to come. Mm-hmm. So man, thank you so much yeah, for coming on the you. show, man. And uh, Hey man, if you guys uh, make sure you like and subscribe to boss talk one one, man, uh, it's been another great segment of boss talk one one. What a boss is talk. And we out. Mm-hmm.